What's good, y'all? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Like a is podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed, busy show for you this time around. Going to recap week one of the National Football League. I'll touch on the Cleveland Browns and them spitting the bit against the Titans. I'll touch on the Redskins choking a 17-point lead to the Dallas Cowboys. I'll touch on why Ravens fans need to calm down on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They did play the Dolphins after all as they put up 59 points last Sunday. I'll touch on my Bengals nearly beating my brother's Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. And I'll get to the Pittsburgh Steelers getting ran over by the uh, New England Patriots last Sunday night. And I'll touch on the Saints and Texans game, the uh, the first Monday night game of the season. And if I'm not surprised, probably the best Monday night game when it's all said and done in late December. But first things first, you know, if you've listened to the show over the past year, by the way, I've been doing the show for a year. The one-year anniversary of this show was uh, September the 8th. I forgot to realize, uh, forgot to mention that last week. But yeah, I've been doing this show for a year. And if you've stuck around to listen for a whole year, God bless you. And I thank you and I appreciate you for uh, for just listening to this podcast and finding it interesting and uh, just listening to it. You know, you know, y'all listening and taking time out of your busy day and just taking a chance i guess on listening to listening to a to a young man a young man like myself babble and scream and yell about sports and those of you who've listened to me for a year and a couple of days i i thank you and i hope that this is just the beginning of me uh talking sports on a uh, on a uh, platform such as podcasts and eventually I make it to a national radio so I so I have you guys call into my show and I get to talk to some of my fans that I that I don't already know in person uh but anyway let's get to the Cleveland Browns Yes, 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 yes. Let's get to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen, the same Cleveland Browns that were that from March, from March, heck, even from last at the end of last season, where all they did 
the players and the fans too. We were chomping. They were chomping at the bit. We're as we're as confident as we all can be. I, we got Baker Mayfield. We got we trade for Odell Beckham Jr. We got Jarvis Landry. We'll hit, we'll have a, a Pro Bowl running back in Kareem Hunt once he comes off of suspension. We got a good defense with Miles Garrett. We finally got our guy Baker Mayfield. We got. Two wide receivers that were teammates and buddies back at LSU in college. We got Kareem Hunt here. You know, we got a we got a young offensive minded coach. We finally got our guy. We're gonna we're gonna shock the world. We're gonna win the AFC North. We're gonna steamroll over the over the uh, Ravens and the Steelers. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it to the AFC Championship game. We're gonna beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We're some some dare to say we're gonna be Super Bowl favorites. We're gonna make the Super Bowl. We're gonna shock the world. Everyone's going the laughing stock that is the Cleveland Browns isn't gonna be anymore. The Cleveland Browns are essentially going to basically be the New England Patriots of the 2020s decade and beyond. So, so they say all of that, and it caused a major, and it caused a big hoopla for about four, for about four, four to six months. They they caused a major hoopla for four to six months, saying how we're chopping at the bit and everything else, and literally they had all off season to prepare for this game. All off season to prepare for this game, and they had and they had a week and some change after training camp let out to prepare for the type for this type for the first game of the year at home against the Titans. Okay, this this isn't week thirteen, short week. You know, players are banged up a little bit. Oh, let's we got a game plan now for the Titans. Uh uh-uh. uh first game of the season. And they got rocked forty three to thirteen. They got beat by forty excuse me. They they lost by thirty points. They made Marcus Mariota out to be practically Steve McNair in the game. They made Derrick Henry out to be Eddie George. And they made AJ Ground essentially to be Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from the uh, his name will come up. His name will come up. Uh, uh, Dyson, the the guy, uh, Mike Dyson, who went, who AJ Brown three receptions and a hunt was targeted four times, had three receptions for a hundred yards, and made him out to be Dyson, made Derrick Henry out to be Eddie George, and made Marcus Mariota, who was fourteen for twenty four, two hundred forty eight pass yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, and they practically made Marcus Mariota look like Warren Moon out there. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield was 25 for 38 through three interceptions. Nick Chubb couldn't get anything going. And Odell, who who basically thinks he's uh, Jerry Rice gallivanting all over the football field, went, went, caught, was targeted 11 times, caught seven balls for 71 yards. And Jarvis Landry, who was targeted seven times, caught four balls and only had 67 yards. And the only touchdown they had in the game receiving wise was David Njoku, who who had four receptions for thirty seven yards. And and they get and they get beat forty three to thirteen at home. I mean th- that that is ridiculous. And if you know me by now, you doggone right I'm gonna jump over the Cleveland Browns because that is an absolute disgrace. 
all I heard all spring and all summer long, all throughout training camp and all throughout August, and this team was basically going to be the uh, was going to be the was going to be the 1964 Cleveland Browns. It was going to set the NFL on fire. It was going to it was going to beat Tom Brady in playoffs. It was going to take care of the Chiefs. It was going to take the division by the horns. It was going to stand all over everybody that came in their path. Yet in the first game of the season, they lose to the Tennessee Titans, who've had a revolving door of coaches since practically Jeff Fisher when he when he was the coach, and have had a revolving door of offensive coordinators and and spit the bit at home in a week seventeen winning your end game against the Colts back in late back last December, and they and they get beat and they get beat by forty points or excuse me thirty points. That's unacceptable. Especially especially with Odell Beckham Jr. who you know who th- who. Who th- who thinks he's Ozzie Newsome for crying out loud? And I got him put up this mediocre seven seven receptions for seventy one yards. I mean, are are you kidding me now? And Baker Mayfield, who pre- who thinks he's Otto Graham, th- turn on turning over the football three times. Really? I mean, I mean, are, are you re- are you really kidding me now? Are you are you re- and and going ten percent on third down? Ten percent. And 18 penalties in a game. 18 penalties, 10% on third down, and Baker Mayfield's throwing three interceptions. Yet I'm supposed to be shocked. Yet I'm supposed to be all shocked and scared and, and take the Cleveland Browns seriously when it, when they basically have have a three have a three man have a have a three ring circus going on off the coast of Lake Erie. Yet this team is supposed to win the Super Bowl. If they can't beat the Titans at home when they had literally. Uh, off season to prepare for the game. What do you? How, how, what do you? What do you think they're gonna do against uh against uh Kansas City? If they even play Kansas City on a schedule, if they even play Kansas City on a schedule, let me see. Well, they played the they played the Ra- they played the Rams week three, and the Seahawks week six, and the pa- and the Patriots, and then they play the Steelers, then. Well, they don't play the Chiefs, but you get the idea. I mean, what are you going to do in Foxborough? October 27th. When, when, you send up here, when, when you can't even beat the freaking Tennessee Titans. Who are, a, who are a marginal average football team at best. Average. And you let them walk into your building and practically ambush you and beat you and, and, be, and blow you out by 30 points? Really? I mean, I mean, seriously. And then you play the Rams week three. You play the C. You play the the uh, Seahawks and the Patriots back to back in the week of October. I mean, coming, I mean, come on now. And again, again, Baker Mayfield and everybody else who thinks they're practically, you know, who thinks they're the sixty, who thinks they're the sixty-four uh, Browns, they sit up there and they walk around with with the cockiness and the swagger that they have that they haven't earned. Odell has. I don't care about that stupid asinine one-handed catch. Get over that crap. He's done absolutely nothing since he's been in the NFL. Nothing. And throw that stupid catch out the window. He's done absolutely nothing. 
He's been he's been more known for for being for being a butt of a joke and being a complete distraction than he has been being a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. And Baker Mayfield, who thinks he's Otto Graham, for crying out loud. I don't give a crap about your dopey Heisman Trophy winner or those stupid touchdown passing records. You, you, you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Put your money where your mouth is, and I shouldn't see you uh, throwing three interceptions to the Tennessee Titans. My goodness gracious. And Odell with the watch. Why are you wearing a six-figure watch on a football field? Why? Why are you wearing a six-figure watch on the football field? I could give a crap that it's indestructible. Why are you wearing a watch on the field? The only the only sport that you the only sport that 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 is acceptable for you to wear watches on is is two is two sports tennis and golf that's it where there is no contact whatsoever in the sport tennis and golf you can wear a watch football one of the one has has the most contact next to hockey and any other sports or boxing for that but. Is in the top five of the most of the most contact-filled sports, and definitely one of the most dangerous and violent sports. Where you're on the ground and knocking into somebody every five minutes, and I got Odell Beckham Jr. wearing a, wearing a six-figure watch and being more concerned about defending the reason why of him wearing that stupid watch than he is about winning football games. I mean, seriously, take off the watch. Quit sitting up here and try to and try to start a, 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 a dopey asinine uh, dispute with the NFL. I mean, these players are hot stuff. They sit up here and they want to fight the league with and nitpick with all these little stupid little issues, the little little personal you problems that they have. The league doesn't bend, but yet they but yet they go back to the league with their handout at the next labor negotiation saying, I want this, 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 and this. And, and if you all don't give us this, well you well we're basically slaves for you guys and you guys taking advantage of us and this and that and everything else. Well who can take you seriously when you're having a dispute about wearing a freaking watch? Or Antonio Brown's case about he doesn't like the helmet that he's forced to wear now. Put the put the childish, immature, six-year-old little petty arguments and disputes, you idiot diva wide receivers have. Put them behind you. Put your big boy pants up. Sniff, touch and sniff your balls and be a man for Christ's sakes. It's enough already. Why are you wearing a, a six-figure watch on a football field? Who are you trying to impress for, for crying out loud? If I'm a Cleveland Brown fan, I'm I'm more concerned about how how you how you can how you can uh, run a run a uh, 15 yard comeback route, 15 back to 12 and catch it and turn up field. I don't give a crap about your dopey jewelry collection. I want I we got you here to win football games, not to put on a freaking fashion show. My gosh, Almighty!
Start with these little asinine disputes over the smallest, stupidest, stupidest things. Enough already. My goodness gracious. Just take the watch off. I don't give a crap that it's indestructible. He said, Odell always sat there and said, I wanted to be about football. I wanted to be about winning. I wanted to be about this. I wanted to be about that. Yet he's making it all about him. Not, not, not about his performance on the field. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's about whether it's not it's about whether he should he should be allowed to wear a freaking six-figure watch while he's playing football. You gotta be kidding me. What 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 is the point? What why does it matter? Just take the watch off and play football. Good God. What what I, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about football. That's what he said before the season started. It is about you. It's about you. It's about you and, and you being allowed to wear that stupid three hundred thousand dollar watch that the NFL finding your black behind. And everybody was so, oh, the Browns are going to take the world by storm. The Browns are going to do this. The Browns are going to do that. This was going to hold back the Browns. I told you all this. Their own, they, if they don't become as sex, successful as they should be, they have nobody to point the finger at, at themselves because they have two insatiable in, in egos on that team and Baker Mayfield who thinks he's Otto Graham and Odell Beckham Jr. who thinks he's, who, who thinks he's uh, Ozzie Newsome. They got these two insatiable egos. A coach, a coach to be quite honest, you don't know his ass from his elbow. Who's wet? Who's at a, coaching the NFL? Is what is practically wet behind the ears. Breath smell like Simulac. Has never coached uh, uh, on a, on a head coaching level in the NFL ever in his career. They have two egos. The whole re- I mean, if Odell, I mean, does Odell realize that his behavior is the reason why? He's out of New York. Like, like, does he not put two and two together and realize that the reason why he's in Cleveland and not New York is be is because is because of this nonsense and the fact that the Maris when and the Tishes and the and the Jet and the uh, Jet organization was tired of put uh, was tired of putting up with this juvenile behavior. Does he realize that this isn't New York or L.A. It's Cleveland. It's a blue collar city. They don't, they they don't they could kill us about all that all that flashy bougie stuff. Take the watch off. Be a blue collar. Cleveland will appreciate it. Go out there and play football. And not just go for you, old dog. It goes for your stinking Cleveland Browns teammates. So you know where in the world. After you all were chomping at the bit and and creating all this hype for the past six, five to six, four to six months, and then go up there week one at home and spit it up against the Tennessee Titans. No reason for that and no excuse for that. None whatsoever. And if you all don't end up winning the division or at least making the playoffs, you have nobody to blame but yourselves. That's the bottom line. Get it together, Cleveland.
You want me to take you seriously? You want me to take us a team that can really do something in the in in the uh, in the near future that can really be a force to be reckoned with in the NFL? Then no more of this getting blown out by thirty by mediocre football teams like the Tennessee Titans. And Baker Mayfield, shut up, quit worrying about what Colin Coward has to say every five minutes, and shut up, put your chin strap on, and play football for a change. Quit a, instead of running your freaking mouth all the all the dog on time. Enough. And Odell, take the freaking watch off and play football. You've done nothing in your career, nothing besides that stupid asinine one-handed catch that's a million years old. I'm sick of that. I want results now. Results. Wins. Going to the playoffs. Playoff wins. Super Bowls. That's what I want. Take a break. We'll continue. I'm Until I Can T.I.S. Welcome back to Until I Can T.I.S. podcast. Switching gears now to two teams that had a dominant performance week one, but I think needs to be taken with a grain of salt is the Baltimore Ravens and them taking care. We'll do the Ravens first. Then we get to the, uh, the uh, Cowboys second, but the Ravens took care of business in dominating fashion, beating the, uh, beating the Miami Dolphins 59 to 10, a 49 point, uh, margin of victory. 59 points is the most points scored in the, uh, in the, the in the uh, history of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, what a day he had. He was 17 for 23 with 325, excuse me, 324 yards and five touchdowns. No interceptions. By far his best uh, passing performance since he's been in the National Football League. Rob Griffin got a little bit of action too. He was 6 for 6, for six 55 yards passing and a touchdown as well. Rush on the ground, Mark Ingram, the newest Raven running back, formerly of the New Orleans Saints last year, had 14 carries, 107 yards, and two touchdowns in the game. Marquise Hollywood Brown making his Ravens debut. He had four receptions for 147 yards and a touchdown. And Mark Andrews had eight receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. And an overall great put. And Earl Thomas, new Raven, he also had an interception in the game as long, along with Marlon Humphrey. So what? So it was a it was a pretty dominating performance for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. If you're a Ravens fan, you can, you gotta feel encouraged. Now here here's the key: encouraged, but don't go crazy. I uh, listened to a lot of Baltimore sports talk this week. The Ravens fans that was calling up, uh, sports radio one o five seven fan. And even again, I won't mention the guys, but even the personalities that were on there. We gotta dial it down a little bit before we put Mark uh, Lamar Jackson the the, the the before we put Lamar Jackson on the Johnny Unitas level in the Hall of Fame or crown him Super Bowl Super Bowls or NFL MVP. We gotta take it down a little bit. I mean, he did. They they did play the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I got I got I know Ravens fans will want to hear that because they're in love with their quarterback right now, first round pick, Heisman Trophy. He, you know, his first real great passing before since he's been in the league. It's a great refresher, refresher, for uh for the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens fans out there, considering how poorly he played in the wild card game against uh, the Chargers back in January. But still, 
I mean, you you played the Dolphins, who were who were selling, who were in inadvertently tanking two weeks before the season started. I got, I got, you, 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 you got to be fair. You got to be fair. You got know I me. Mean? Yeah. And then, and then they play the card, and I'll pick that game later on. But and then they play the Cardinals week two. That that's that's two wins right there to begin the season before they get into the thick of things with Kansas City and Cleveland and and the Patriots and everything else. But you you got you got you got to be fair. You, you got to be fair. I mean the the Miami Dolphins yeah. this year's Miami Dolphins team is is no way near as good. It doesn't even it's 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 to quote my man Stephen A. It'd be blasphemous. For, to put them on the same level as the 1972 Dolphins, not not even the same level, the same area code, it would it would be blasphemous to do so. So let's let's calm down with the, before we equate these Ravens to the 2000 Ravens. All right, let's just calm down. Nice win, Lamar showed me a little bit of potential, but let's let's calm down a little bit. Let's let let's see what he does what he does against the Patriots and the Browns and. And the and the Chiefs, and then we can talk. Not that the Chiefs' defense is good anyway, but still, let's see. Let's see what they do against against uh, real competition. Not a not a team that looks like they belong in the AAF. I mean, let let's be fair. Another team that uh, had a dominant performance, but again, the fans have to take it down a couple. And the Cowboy lovers and the deck, ugh, just just in the cow. Please relax, relax, relax. The Cowboys beat the Giants thirty-five to seventeen last week, in Zeke's really first in Zeke's first game action of any sorts, uh, since uh, since the uh, since the since the playoff loss on the road against the Rams back in January, uh, Dak Prescott was twenty-five for thirty-two through for four hundred and five yards and four touchdown passes. He looked pretty good. Michael Gallup receiving wise had seven receptions for 158 yards while Amari Cooper, who was another cowboy looking for a big extension in the near future, caught six balls for 106 yards and a touchdown pass. And Randall Cobb, he's he making his cowboy debut, also caught a touchdown pass. Zeke only rushed for fifty-three yards on thirteen carries, but he had a touchdown. So, like I said, let's calm down a bit on the Cowboys. <clears throat> Skip Bayless. Before we uh, essentially put them in the Super Bowl against New England or whoever it might be, they did play the Giants, who for a team that has four Super Bowls is an utter and two Super Bowls within the past fifteen years has is is an utter laughing stock as far as a, as far as a franchise as far as uh, the quality of a fran the quality of the franchise is concerned. I mean, for for a team that's only two Super Bowl wins away. From tying the Patriots and the Steelers for the most Super Bowl championships in the league, they they they're they're an utter embarrassment, and they are, and they have become a league laughing stock. So let's hold off on the Cowboys and hold off on the Raiders before we put them in the Hall of Fame, or excuse me, before we put them in the Super Bowl. The the Ra- the Ravens played zero. You can that the Dolphin team was an AAF team. Okay, the, the, the that Dolphin team is an AAF team. That and that to that to that to mention them and the seventy two Dolphins in the same sentence as a federal is a is a uh, federal is a federal crime. 
and the Cowboys beat the Giants, who haven't done anything, who haven't done anything right since winning Super Bowl Forty Six against New England. So let's pump the brakes on both. They both teams showed me something. Both teams showed me why I I predicted that they will be competitive. Remember, I picked the Ravens to win the division at ten and six. I picked the Cowboys to go nine and seven. They both look. They both are very good football teams. Well, not very good, but they're good football teams. But they but let's be honest. They they play they played inferior inferior opponents. especially with the Ravens. Especially with the Ravens. I mean, that that, that Dolphin team's another disgrace. And and it make and and then approved my point even more. And then approved my point even more. About a dozen players came went to the contacted the agents after the game saying, Yeah, you <laughs> You gotta, you gotta get me up out of here. I, I can't, I can't stay here too much longer. I, 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 I'll be doggone if I'm sitting up here and, and fought around with with a team that's uh, fought around with a team that's tanking. That, that, that I'm not doing. That, 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 that I am not doing. Not doing it. Can't, can't do it. Won't do it. And, I, and, and to be honest, we can blame them. I mean, who, who wants who wants to be stuck on a football team that that's got a, that who wants to be stuck on a football team that's going to that's going to lose about eighty eighty percent of their football games? I mean, at, at some point that kind of that 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 does something to your psyche. Got to be honest. It, it it does something it, it 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 does something to you. Now I'm now I'm not in that locker room. I I don't know all the, all the uh, all the details and all the little ins and outs and everything like that. But but I gotta but I gotta be on but I gotta be honest. I mean, who who would blame the Dolphin players for wanting out? I sure would. Quick thing before I get to a break. Uh, as just a little nugget of information, I want to give my opinion on. As you all know, uh, Wednesday was the 18th anniversary of the uh, terrorist attacks that occurred in uh, New York City and at the Pentagon in the Washington D.C. area. That in the crash in a hijacked plane. In uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, that ended up killing forty something people. That in turn, over about three thousand people perished between workers in the World Trade Center, workers in the uh, Pentagon, and the innocent uh, passengers on the planes, and uh, that crashed into both of the towers, the Pentagon and on flight 93 that ended up crashing in such in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But uh so the Mets who really since 9/11 occurred in their first game back, you've seen it. Those of you who are sports fans and baseball fans and Met fans have all seen Mike Piazza hit, really hit the home run and rebirth New York City and everything else and uh and the Mets have really been good with uh, serving their and honoring their uh, the heroes of the, of the fire department and the uh, really have done a great job of honoring their uh, and paying and paying back the uh, first responders on the uh, on the New York uh, sit in the new on the New York City Police Department and the fire department of the uh, city of New York. They've really done a great job 
for the past 18 years and honoring the victims that passed away and the and the first responders and survivors that have made it god bless them uh 18 years past those uh, tragic events so pete alonzo who's been the mets best player of the entire season was uh won a home run, outslugged Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the uh, home run derby back in July. He uh, he ordered a pair of custom 9-11 cleats for him to wear during the uh, game on Wednesday. Yet that and, and NYPD and FDNY hats that he wanted he and his Met teammates to wear for that special occasion were rejected by Major League Baseball. For the the reason I will the reason I will never understand, but they're rejected by Major League Baseball because it because it because it violates some uniform conduct or whatever asinine rule that MLB puts up. And now now let me get whatever asinine rule the MLB puts in place or whatever or whatever the case might be. But I mean, well, let me tell this is I mean this is the same Major League Baseball that. You know, moans and groans, and wonders why they're about to lose the younger generation, and and kids and future kids in general, into liking into being a fan of professional baseball, and they're about to lose it to the freaking NHL for crying out loud if they're not careful. This is the league that wonders why that the that the that the foundation and the hardcore of their fan base. Are the old farts that are in their that are in their mid late forties into their fifties all the way up into their nineties for crying out loud, they wonder why that they have an old fan base that no one comes to the game that nobody comes to the games, and they also wonder why they're they've already lost the second Amer the, the second favorite sport in this country is basketball now. It's not baseball. It's basketball. Baseball's third, and it could drop into the fourth, into the basement of of the last place of the four major North American sports leagues. If they're not careful, they're about to lose to the freaking NHL if they're not careful because because of stupid asinine things like this. I mean, you cannot accommodate Pete Alonso to honor those brave men and women that basically put their life on the line and sacrifice themselves. To save whatever people they could and did on, on those on that terrible day eighteen years ago, and you're gonna sit up here and say that Pete Alonzo can't wear an FDNY or NYPD hat or wear a or wear red, white, and blue cleats that say "Never forget" with the, with the twin towers on them. I mean, I mean, you gotta be. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. And, and major baseball, that 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 a that's tough to take, and b that's b that's low. And c c okay. First off, it's asinine. Second off, it's second off, it's petty. It's stupid. And third and third off, it's low and it's weak. I mean, I mean, really, because you because your dollar may be affected or doesn't fit into this quote unquote rule criteria. For, oh my god! And then you guys wonder. And then you guys wonder why. The, the 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 core fan base of your, of your sport is a bunch of old farts, and, and and you wonder why nobody shows up to the games 
You sit up and, 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 you, and you do stupid things like that. Why can't Peter Alonzo be aware to wear the cleats that he wore? Now, he wore them anyway because, you know, and rightfully so. And I applaud him a good job for him for it. But 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 to even give Peter Alonzo that option to, to disregard your rules, it shouldn't be a, a rule for him to disregard it in the first place. That should be a, that should be an that should be an automatic. Should be an, it should be it shouldn't even it shouldn't even be a, a problem or or a thing or a thing of discussion. It, it should be, it should be an automatic. You want to wear chick fine. I mean, three oh, nearly three thousand people died that day, eighteen years ago. The the nation and the world has not been the same since. Something like that has never happened prior to that, and, and God willing, never will happen again. To from now until 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 the world ends. But I mean, man, you you. The fact that you have a rule in place to prevent him from wearing the cleats is 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 laughable and insulting. I mean, if I was a first responder or a survivor of those nine eleven attacks, I'd be insulted. Major League Baseball, really? This is what you're going to do now? You're going to sit up there and tell players what they can and cannot wear when it comes to paying tribute to to survivors and and victims and first responders. Uh, of the of of the that event of that event eighteen years ago, that's what that's what you're going to do now. And I don't care if they if they put Mike Trout on loop fifty million times and show you highlights of of uh, of uh, of uh, Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge and Chapman. I could care less what they do. Uh, until they kind of wake up and smell the coffee and get with the program, Major League Baseball is going to keep on is going to keep on going down the toilet like it already has. And if they're not careful, they could fall behind hockey, which, which, which is the kiss of death for baseball, a sport that was up there in popularity twenty years ago. And is now at the bottom of the to- and is now nearly at the very bottom of the totem pole. Major League Baseball should be ashamed of themselves. Horrible, horrible, horrific, terrible, bad job on their part. Forgot to mention this in my monologue, but my man Jackson Smith is making another appearance on the show. Who joined me to talk Redskins and week recap week one right after this. So welcome back to Amatelica TIS podcast. Uh had a little bit of an issue with uh, getting our guest uh Jackson Smith on the line. Uh sir he has he hasn't you know, he's uh he didn't blow me off, but he I gave him a time and I didn't and I didn't uh we didn't get it together at that time. It was all my fault on my end. So I'll take the hit for that, uh, but I'll make sure I'll have him on next week. But uh, the show must go on, so I'll do uh, this segment and the rest of the show and the rest of the show solo. But I'll do the same topics I was going to talk with him to you guys one on one, 
and uh, we'll, I'll do uh, the two. I'll do two things. I'll do the Redskins blowing seventeen point lead. I'll do the uh, the Saints Texas game, and then we'll move. On, then we'll move on and turn the page to week two. Uh, but first, the Redskins and them blowing a twenty three point lead. I mean that is that. Uh, excuse me, a seventeen point lead. I said twenty three. I'm at seventeen. But that, if you're, I mean, if you are Jackson, if you are our little pal Brendan that we have on the show, if you're a Redskins fan, that, hey, that, 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 that just, that just kills you. I mean, seventeen unanswered points, and it, and it sure looked like that the Redskins were hitting on all cylinders, especially in the first half. I mean. Case Keenum, Case Keenum was was look was looking for was looked like his 2017 self that uh, guided the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. I, the, I mean, I had I had Vernon Davis hurtling over and sliding through defenders like like it was like he would like he put him in the vault back to 2010. I mean, it it was it was a good the defense was was befuddling uh, Carson Wentz and. And the Philly offense did not have an answer, and it came right out the half, and and Philly, and Philly outscored Washington twenty five to seven in the second half, and put up fourteen unanswered points in the third quarter, and came back from a twenty to seven deficit. I mean, oh my! Or that was a they're down by thirteen, so it wasn't seventeen. It was thirteen, but you get but you get the idea. I mean, what a pathetic, pathetic performance by the Redskins, blowing blowing a lead like that out the half. I mean, they come right out the half and and are as flat as a crepe. I mean, I Deshaun Jackson is is scoring touchdowns on Redskins blown coverages. I mean, holy goodness gracious. He had eight receptions for 154 yards and two touchdowns. It was targeted nine times and caught eight balls. I mean, that, that is, if you're a Redskins fan, you, you, you were pulling your hair out. I mean, that is an absolute, unacceptable, pathetic performance by the Redskins. Their offense and the defense, but primarily their defense, that vomited all over themselves in the second half. Letting Deshaun Jackson, he as well, go back to his vintage 2010 self, absolutely roasting and torturing and to- and torching that Redskins secondary, and it made Carson Wentz look like his 2016 or excuse me, 2017 near MVP self, going 28 for 39, throwing for 313 yards and three touchdown passes, and not throwing a single interception. I mean, if the and with four hundred and thirty six total yards, I mean, the, and one hundred and twenty three yards on 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 the uh, on the ground, and allowing the Eagles to convert sixty four percent of the time on third down, and twelve penalties as well for the Redskins. I mean, boy, did they shot themselves in the foot in the second half after having a pretty dominant and convincing first half performance. You you just gotta do better if you're the Washington Redskins. I mean you gotta come I mean you gotta come out there, guns blazing, strike while the iron is hot, start the season out on the right foot. You got you got the team who is you know, it's not Nick Foles in the shadows no more. It's Carson Wentz's team. They got their old weapon back in Deshaun Jackson. They have it 
You, you, it's a divisional game, first first game of the season, first road game of the season, first divisional game of the season, first game against the Eagles this season. You got to come right out, and you got to punch him, you got to hit him in the mouth, which they did for 30 minutes of football. But the other 30 minutes, they had a thumb up their hind parts and didn't know what the heck was going on. What a pathetic performance for the from the Washington Redskins. Oh, my goodness gracious, that was horrible. Second, uh, the first Monday night game of the season and the first Monday night game last, or excuse me, I should say this past Monday night was between the Houston Texans and the New Orleans Saints, both teams that had made the playoffs last year. Saints coming off of again. We've said it ad infinitum for the past, whatever it might be, about them not getting a pass interference and the helmet-to-helmet call that obviously should have been called. Texans coming off of another uh, one-and-done playoff season, losing to the Colts in the divisional round back in January. This was a this was a really, really good uh, football game. Had Deshaun Watson, who was 50% uh, of his passes through for 268 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, who looked, fu- who looked phenomenal in the last drive of the ball game. Or the last drive that the uh, the Texans had that uh that put the Texans out in front with about forty eight seconds to go. He looked very very good on that on that drive. De- DeAndre Hopkins showed up in prime time, eight receptions, one hundred and eleven yards, and two touchdown passes. What a game he had! I mean, did, I mean a good performance from the Houston Texans from the uh, Houston Texans offense. A really good performance. While the Saints, de- I mean, now granted, the Saints, the Saints pass rush was very good in the game, but everything, but it it, it did it was a little spotty. It, I mean, especially in the in the uh, in the second quarter, that 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 defense was very very spotty, with allowing uh, DeAndre, excuse me, uh, Deshaun Watson marching down the field and uh, and basically put up touchdown after touchdown up against them, even though that pass rush did a great job of getting after Watson, which is one of the reasons why they they remained in the game. While you look at the Saints aspect, Drew Brees was 32 for, th- 32 for 43, threw for 370 yards and two touchdown passes, one interception. Avin Kamara rushed for 97 yards or 13 carries. And Michael Thomas had 10 receptions for 123 yards. And Ted Ginn had seven receptions for 101 yards. So offense, the offense was good. I mean that defense. I mean when you, I mean when you trade away your second best player on your defense for essentially a bag of Cheetos, that and and your opposing offense has Kamara, Michael Thomas, and uh, Drew Brees on it. That's that's bound to happen for you to give up thirty points and allow Drew Brees to practically march down the field and and to put the Saints in the best position to win. But and but Drew Brees, it would have been as easy as a cakewalk as it was for Drew Brees had not Bill O'Brien stupidly put, uh, basically had uh, put in a prevent. De- I mean, he's an offensive guy anyway, so you know trusting him with defenses, you know you're you spotty to begin with. But I mean to put in a prevent defense, to put in a prevent defense. With with twenty seconds with twenty seconds left, ball at their own forty yard line is dubious. I mean, I mean, I mean, or excuse me, the ball at at their fit at their forty nine yard line with 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 uh, six seconds and counting left. 
I mean, to put in a prevent defense and all they have to do is basically get to the 40 to give Will Lutz a shot. I mean, that if that is a Texas fan, you are gouging your eyes out and are and are and are, and are uh, pulling your and are, and are pulling your hair out. I mean, a prevent defense when they are on your own 49 yard line, you're playing a prevent defense and they essentially have to get about 10, 11 yards. I mean that 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 Bill O'Brien has got got to got to got to do a better job. You cannot, under any circumstances, play a prevent defense when you, when Drew Brees is the opposing quarterback and they only have to go and they only have to go, get about eleven about eleven yards. That 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 is unacceptable. And you can't you can't win base baseball games. You can't win football games like that under any circumstances. That is just horrible coaching right there. And if they would have played in a decent defense, I'm not sure the Saints would have won the game. And that was a game that the Saints actually had a chance to win. But the defense kind of folded a little bit and allowed Deshaun Watson to practically march down the field and to get a late touchdown with under a minute left. So if Bill O'Brien doesn't stupidly call a prevent defense, the Saints probably didn't most likely wouldn't have even won the game. But they did. They complete the pass. They put Will Lutz in a chance to win it. They kick it. Saints are one and up. So that's that. And we tie a bow on week one of the National Football League. Second, let's get to the second half of this segment, and we'll and I'm recap and I'll recap the uh, Thursday night game that was between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers, a game that, you know, if you stuck with it to the very end, you're better than me. I mean, week two of, of a, of a, of a, uh, of a long, long, long season. I'm not with a rain delay that pushed back the game an hour. I am not under any circumstances staying up till midnight or quarter to midnight to watch famous Jameis turn the ball over 20,000 times and to watch and to watch a decrepit, mentally weak and a physically weak Cam Newton who can't dress his way out of a paper bag. Uh, vomit and spit the bit on Thursday night football on NFL. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I mean, I I love football, but there are going to be more meaningful football games to watch this season to sacrifice sleep for than uh, Buccaneers Panthers week two on September the 12th. I mean, I'm sorry, but anyway, to get to the game itself, Cam Newton. He's now lost eight straight games dating back to week ten of 2018. I mean, the. Whatever has happened with the Carolina Panthers is an absolute mystery because ever because really since they got blown out the water against the Steelers on that Thursday night back in early November, we don't know what the heck has been going on with that team. I mean they have they I mean they they can't they can't get a win if their if their lives depended on it. Greg Olson is old. He's been decrepit by he not necessarily old, but he's been. But he's been uh, held back due to injury. They don't have they they don't have any receivers. Again, Chris Hogan isn't you know isn't as great as everybody thinks he is. When uh, Tom Brady is isn't his uh, quarterback, and this is case in point uh, on his performance on Thursday night. Chris Hogan went. Uh, let's see. Chris Hogan went. Receiving wise, he had one reception for twelve yards. So that you know that that's 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 really all you need to know. One reception for twelve yards. Chris Hogan, who everybody wanted to practically, 
equate to uh, Jerry Rice a few years ago when he was a key component of the Patriots Super Bowl push in 2017. So again, you take you you take Brady away from him, and he is and he is a he is a no name as as far as the receiver is concerned. Greg Olson, he had a good game, six receptions, 110 yards, but you can't rely on a guy who's injured nearly every season and a running back who who practically has to who has to work double duty in receiving and run, running the football to provide some sort of offense for your football team. You can't expect to win that way, especially when Cam Newton is is throwing the ball 50. One times is twenty three for fifty one. Granted, he threw for over three hundred and thirty three yards, but don't, but that but when you throw but when you throw the ball fifty one times, you know, and you only put up fourteen points, those three hundred and thirty three passing yards mean nothing but little fantasy points and uh, passing yards when it when it comes to uh, calculating that at the end of the season. I mean, 333 passing yards, but when you're throwing the ball 51 times, you only manage to score 14 points. That, that's compiling. So, Cam Cam Newton did absolutely nothing in the game. 25 for 51, a completion percentage about a, t- about a tick uh, under 50%, and he threw for 300, over 330 yards, and no touchdown passes, no interceptions. Hey, that 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 is a terrible job by the Panthers offense, who really has done nothing since their Super Bowl Fifty run. Uh, in in uh, two thousand and thirteen, Jameis Winston he kept his turnovers to himself. He was sixteen for twenty five, two hundred eight yards and a touchdown pass. He wasn't he wasn't terrible in the game. Peyton Barber. Had ran the ball twenty three times, eighty two yards, and a touchdown. And Chris Godwin had eight receptions for one hundred twenty one yards and a touchdown in the ball game either. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they bounced back off of their week one loss at home against the Forty ers They bounced back, played a divisional game, went went to the Panthers' house, and they and they and they beat them. And that's and that's what you have to do in this league. Got to sit up here, got to beat the divisional opponents and capitalize. When your opponent is down, and when they aren't playing as strong, and that's, and that, and, and that, in essence, is which is what you got to do. That is what you got to do. Uh now to do my what I do every week: pick three key games of the week that is in the NFL, and uh, break them down for you. So here are the three right here that I'm giving you right now: Cowboys and Redskins, Seahawks and Steelers. And oh, and uh, there it is. I lost it on my sheet. And Rams and Saints, the rematch of uh, the NFC Championship game back in the back in uh, January. So we'll do. Uh, let's do Seahawks and Steelers first. Seahawks coming off of a twenty-one to twenty win against my Cincinnati Bengals last Sunday. Russell Wilson and company look uh, looked uh, you know they were good at the game. I mean the defense stopped the Bengals when uh, when the when when they needed to be stopped. The Bengals uh, had to capitalize on uh, scoring opportunities to put them out in front and to put them uh, and to and to extend their lead when the Bengals had the lead, but. 
you know, Seahawks defense, they played well, allowing the Bengals. Now, now they let Eddie Dalton throw for a career-high 418 yards in the game. So it wasn't the 2013 Seahawks defense by any stretch. But still, you hold them to under uh, 20, you know, hold them under, under uh, 28 points. That's something to be. That's something to be proud of. But then again, don't celebrate too hard, because again, when Andy Dalton throws for four hundred and eighteen yards and is about one point away from having one of the best games of his life, that that that's a uh, that's an issue. But Seahawks won twenty one twenty. Uh, they head to the East Coast. Uh, it's going to be a ten o'clock local game. For the uh for the for the Seahawks, but rematch of Super Bowl forty when these two teams played back in two thousand and five, but you know it, it should be an interesting game. Steelers looking Steelers on in an audio, excuse me the Steelers on the other hand looking to avoid being zero two for the first time since two thousand and thirteen. Steelers absolutely got their hide parts kicked and whooped by their hated nemesis of the New England Patriots by the final score of 33-3 to uh, last Sunday night. Offense did absolutely nothing in the game. Dante Moncrief dropping balls left and right. Offense really not, never, ever got into a rhythm, of the f- rhythm and flow of the game. Uh, the defense, as usual, got ripped to shred. I mean that that I mean that game where they basically held Tom Brady to about two touchdowns, wherever it was back in uh, December, two weeks before Christmas, is the best performance you're going to see of a Steelers defense ag- against Tom Brady because they absolutely got ripped and cut up to absolute shreds by Brady and company last Sunday night, just picking them apart left and right. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a pathetic, pathetic performance from the Pittsburgh Steelers last Sunday. Uh, it's the Seahawks, I mean, and... Uh, but, yeah, this game is at, let's see, Russell Wilson, I was like to give you these stats. Russell Wilson is 4-1 and one with 16 uh, passing touchdowns and one interception. And uh, his career against NFC North opponents, the one loss he has in his career was against the Bengals in 2015 when they, when the Bengals came back and beat him in overtime at uh, at Paul Brown uh, Stadium. And just a little quick, Matt Russell Wilson was a was a junior in high school when Ben Roethlisberger and the Seahawks won Super Bowl forty. So it gave you that little nugget of information. Shadows on the road. This is Pittsburgh's home opener. That game will be at one o'clock on your local Fox station. Uh, Cowboys and Redskins. Cowboys, like I mentioned earlier in the program, coming off of a good, coming off of a good, dominant, solid win off of the uh, New York Giants last week. But uh, how they met, now not to say the Redskins are world beaters per se, but the Redskins are definitely a, a much, much, much better team and much more competitive team than the New York Giants are. This is Dallas's first road game of the season. This is the Redskins' home opener. Uh, be interested to see how the Cowboys' uh, defense is able to stop uh, Case Keenum and company, and and stay, and I'm in, and I'm, I am intrigued and looking forward to see 
if uh, if the Cowboys basically let Case Keenum look like Mark Ripon and th practically throw the ball up and down the field 90 million times. And that will be yet to be seen. And also be yet to be seen if the Redskins offense can contain Zeke and not make Dak Prescott out to be uh, Roger Staubach. Which is what the cat, which is what the Giants' defense enabled him to do. Him throw for over three hundred yards passing and basically look like the second coming of Don Meredith. Look him up if you don't know who Don Meredith is. But these little quick little nuggets. Cowboys have won the last five games against NFC East opponents, while the Redskins have lost five straight games against division opponents. So, and if you gotta, if you want to win your division, if you want to make the playoffs, you gotta beat the teams that you play twice a year. That is within your division. You can't expect to win the, your division. You can't expect to make the playoffs if you can't. If you can't beat the teams that's within your own division. That is a key, key, key thing in the NFL. Key thing. You can't win unless you beat the teams in your division. You you just can't do it. And they really have to contain Zeke because the Redskins since 2017 are 0-7 when allowing an individual 100-yard rusher in, in a ball game. So if you rush for 100 yards against the Redskins, you win, you win the ball game. If the Redskins keep you under 100 yards... You know, it, it, and the 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 uh, the various um, the various will determine. But if you rush for over a hundred yards, Zeke, odds are the Cowboys are going to win the ball game. And Dak Prescott uh, was the fourth QB with a perfect passer rating. Not like that stat matters anyway. But he was the fourth QB in NFL in the hundred year history of the NFL with a perfect passer rating in the game. With with thirty or more passing attempts, so there's that, and I'll pick that game later on in the program. Last game, and it is the game of the weekend, is the rematch of the of last year's NFC Championship game. The blown calls, and oh, I'm so sick of sick and tired of hearing about it. But you get the idea. This time the game is no longer in, the game isn't in New Orleans. It's in Los Angeles. It is the Rams' home opener, their first home game, their first home game since uh, being the their first home game of of note since uh, beating the Cowboys in the NFC divisional round back in January. Uh, this game will be at four twenty five on Fox. Both teams won in those states. I already mentioned them how they won their first game. Rams took care of business against the Panthers. Uh, they 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 were a little sloppy, a little lethargic, like they were, uh, unlike they uh, look, unlike they were last year, which is something that you that I and and people should expect expect to see and not be surprised by them. You know, teams are going to start know how to read the Rams and that high flying offense won't be as high flying and as high powered as they have been in years past. Uh just a little quick nuggets of information. Uh head to head, Jared Goff Drew Brees. They're uh, two and two. Drew Brees has eleven touchdowns, one interception. Jared Goff nine touchdowns and four interceptions in the four games that these two teams have played together. And the Saints are just 1-3 against the Rams in L.A. and in uh, St. Louis on the road in the Drew Brees era since 2006. And Michael Thomas was the only player in the NFL with 12-plus receptions and 200 receiving yards 
in a game in 2018. And that, of course, was week nine against the Rams. So, you know where you stand recapping week one. You know where you stand as far as week two is concerned. Ravens play the Cardinals. The Ravens should beat the Cardinals uh, pretty easily in that game. Cardinals coming off of a tie at home against the Lions. That's going to be a raucous Ravens crowd with it being uh, the first uh, Ravens home game of the season. Ravens home opener. It's go it's go it's uh, still nice and warm outside, so the fans are going to be extra pumped up because it's going to be nice and warm outside. Uh, should should expect the sellout crowd. Ravens won their division last year. Uh, looking to uh, repeat as division champions with Lamar Jackson, especially that dominating performance surely does help. So the Ravens fans will be repping raring to go. Uh, my Bengals, they play at home open up. They have their home opener against the 49ers, who, go, who uh, open up the season with two straight on the road. Uh, the I just expect the Bengals to win. I don't leave it at that. But other than that, that's really where you stand as far as week two of the National Football League is concerned. I'll take a break, and I'll pick the week two games right after this. Welcome back to Until I Can Tell You is podcast. Now it's time for our week two picks. I, br I pick every game of week two of the NFL right here, right now, in the league where they play for pay. First up, Arizona and Baltimore. Arizona, like I said, coming off of a tie against the Detroit Lions in Kyler Murray's uh, NFL starting debut. Terrell Suggs makes his return to Baltimore after playing there for about 16, 17 seasons. Like I, like I told you last segment, that Baltimore crowd's going to be rambunctious. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hype. Good weather. Teams coming off of a uh, uh, play, uh, coming off of making the playoffs last year, and they and they just coming off of a fifty nine, a fifty nine point scoring uh, win against the uh, albeit the Miami Dolphins. So the Ravens. They are just, it's going to be closer than uh, people think because the Ravens are actually going to face against a real offense with Larry, with high, with star power with uh, Kyler Murray, a Heisman Trophy winner, and Larry Fitzgerald, the legendary wide receiver. But uh, the Ra I think the Ravens are going to win the game 31-24. Moving on to the 49ers and the Bengals. 49ers coming off of a win last week uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Meanwhile, the Bengals are coming off of a one-point loss in Seattle. This is the Bengals' home opener. I think the Bengals will win. The Bengals show me some great things with their defense, and their offense is starting to improve. I can see the culture change happening in Cincinnati under Zach Tanner. That's why I think he'll get his first win as the NFL head coach and win 28. To 17. The Chargers and the Lions. Chargers coming off of the Chargers coming off of a coming off, excuse me, coming off of a win last week at home against the Colts out of Vinatieri. 
for some reason had the yips and couldn't make a uh, field goal if his life depended on it. And the Chargers ended up winning that game last week against the Colts. Uh, Chargers looking to start 2-0 for the first time since 2012. Lions, like I previously mentioned, coming off of a tie to the Lions. I think the Chargers will win 26-17. Vikings and Packers. Vikings coming off of a dominant, impressive offensive performance against the Falcons last week, while Green Bay is coming off of a a gritty, a gritty but sloppy win on the road against uh, their rival Chicago that happened about uh, that happened about uh 15 something you know happened over two weeks it happened uh, last week last thursday as a matter of fact this is green bay's home opener i think green bay will win 28 to 20. the jaguars and the texans this is the texans home opener uh jaguars have to go forward for the time being with no nick Foles out indefinitely with a broken collarbone while the Texans were also close, had not uh, Bill O'Brien be, uh, had his defense lined up in a prevent defense, they'd be heading home 1 0. But instead, they head home 0 1. But they'll be 1 1. I think they'll beat Jacksonville 26 14. Buffalo and the Giants. Buffalo coming off of a uh, come from behind win on the road against. Uh, against the Jets, they get to stay in New Jersey and have two straight games at MetLife Stadium as they take on the Giants, who are coming off of an absolute uh, discouraging defeat at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the Giants' home opener. Buffalo remains on the road two straight, like the 49ers to start the season. Uh, that's And I think Buffalo win the game 35-13. to Seattle and the Steelers. Steelers coming off of an absolute butt whooping on national television at home, or excuse me, on the road against the Patriots. Seahawks had to grit one out to beat my Bengals last week. It's the Steelers' home opener. I I picked the Steelers to go eight and eight, but really, with the way they look, it could get ugly for the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to start 0-2, and Seattle win the game 42-20 to tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee. Indianapolis going off of a tough loss to the Chargers, while Tennessee just got finished of tearing the mouth out of the Cleveland Browns. It's Tennessee's home opener. The Colts, like the uh, 49ers and the Bills, start out the season with two straight on the road. I think Indi- I think excuse me, I think Tennessee will win the game 24 to 21. Dallas and the Redskins. Brendan, as a matter of fact, is going to be at the game. We'll see if we can get him on uh, in the near future. Talk NFL with him and talk about his experience at the game and everything else. Uh, Cowboys coming off of an impressive win at home against the uh, Cow- uh, Excuse me, against the Giants, while the Redskins are coming off of a uh, depressing uh, choke job and defeat. Uh, losing to the Eagles last week in Philadelphia. It's the it's the Redskins home opener. I think Dallas will win 27-17. Patriots and Miami. Miami is coming off of a absolute embarrassing loss 
at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens, allowing 59 points to be scored up against them, while the Patriots themselves are coming off of a blowout, like I just mentioned, beat it, beating the uh, Patriots 33-3 last Sunday night. This is the Patriots' first road game of the season. Dolphins open up the season with uh, two games in a row. Patriots always, for whatever the reason, the uh, the Miami Miracle last year, whatever the case might be, but the Patriots, for whatever the reason, their demons exist in Miami and in Hard Rock Stadium. I, I can't explain it, but for whatever the reason, they always, always find, find, another, find different ways to lose when they play the Dolphins on the road. But this Dolphin team is so bad that there is no way in the world that the Patriots could screw this up. That's why I think the Patriots will win 56 to nothing. The Chiefs and the Raiders. Raiders coming off of a pretty impressive, considering everything that the Raiders have gone through the last couple of, re- couple of weeks with Antonio Brown and everything else. They beat the uh, Broncos pretty handedly. Now, nobody saw the game. I mean, games... Get game lasted until about one in the morning. I mean, bro, you're not staying up to one in the morning week one watching after you watch football all weekend watching uh, Broncos and Raiders. I'm sorry, but uh, they're coming off of an impressive win off against Denver. They open up the season two two and two uh, two in a row at home. Meanwhile, Kansas City opens up the season with two straight on the road. Kansas City beat Jacksonville pretty handily last week. Kansas City will continue their winning ways and beat the Raiders 35-21. The Bears and the and the uh, Broncos. Broncos, I just mentioned, coming off of a loss on the road against the Raiders last Monday night. Bears coming off of an embarrassing offensive performance by uh, Mitch Trubisky and a horrific coaching job by Matt Nagy, who he killed last week. Uh, this is the uh, the Broncos first. Uh, this is their home opener for them. I think the Ch- I think the Bears will win though in a low scoring affair, seventeen to ten. The game of the week that everyone will have their eyes on is Saints and Rams rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. I think the Saints coming off of a last-second victory at home on Monday night against the Texans. Meanwhile, the Rams, it's their home opener, coming off of a win on the road against the Carolina Panthers. I think the Rams, I think, excuse me, I think the Saints will win the game 31-21. Won't come down to a uh, call this time, folks. I think the Saints will uh, win by uh, 10 points in a uh, in a non-exciting in a uh, non-exciting uh, way to end the game uh, per se you know get the get the ball back take a couple kneel, kneel downs and get out of there but uh anyway moving to the last two games the two uh primetime games the Saturday game between uh the Eagles and the Falcons, Falcons got absolutely got their heads bashed in by uh, the Minnesota Vikings, whose offense is like 2017 uh, self with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. The Falcons have their home opener while the Phil- while the Phillies while the Eagles go on the road to play the uh, to play the Falcons. Eagles coming off of a come from behind. Victory against the division rival Redskins. I think Philly will win the game 28-16. to And the Monday night game that everyone thought would be good because Sam Darnold would play. 
But it looks like it's not going to happen because Sam Darnold has motto. I don't know what that is, but he's not going to play. And the Browns themselves coming off of a complete butt whooping at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. It's the uh, Jets had opened up with uh, two straight at home. Jets, really, you can't do much without your franchise quarterback is Sam Darnold. They're going to rely on Le'Veon Bell heavily in the game. I'm pretty sure Cleveland will be smart enough to realize that and to stop it. Cleveland, I, even though I don't want them to, I hope they. I would love nothing more for the, for them to lose by 30 points every game, but that's unrealistic. I mean, it is a decently built football team on paper, so I think Cleveland will find uh, their winning ways and will make and will even it up at one and one and beat the Jets on Monday Night Football, 23 to 13. So. I want to thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Tell I Can Tell is podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to uh, li- to like it, give it a five star rating, whatever you ever got to do to show me some love. Tweet at me, whatever to retweet, whatever you want to do. Uh, be sure to subscribe if you're new to the program. Share it with your friends, family, teammates, acquaintances, wh- whoever the case might be. I'm your, I'm your man, Jai Shields. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Enjoy week two of the NFL, everybody. God bless. Y'all take care. See you.